Greetings, improvisational meatbags. Welcome to YesBot. Today's guest is Cariad Lloyd. everyone and welcome to YesBot, the podcast about improvisation and robotics, mostly in that order. Um, if you've never listened to the show before, a very quick recap of what's happened so far. I was walking in the woods behind my house and I came across a robot, a derelict robot that had been abandoned there. Um, so I was obviously very intrigued, dragged it home with me and rebuilt it. And uh, to my surprise, I found out it was actually a ImprovBot 5000, an incredibly rare model of robot whose sole purpose is to perform improvisation. Um, and to that purpose, it has five slots on its back uh, that look like sort of slots that you have in a Nintendo 64 uh, game console and actually fits the same cartridges. And each of these cartridges can be programmed with a single rule, one thing uh, about improvisation. And obviously I was incredibly excited about that. I mean, it was quite a coincidence, me being an improviser as well. Um, and I've, I've assembled an amazing brain trust of incredible improvisers and performers uh, to try and program this thing to be the best improviser it possibly can be. And this week, I am incredibly excited to have as my guest, Carrie Lloyd. Woo! <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, Chris. I'm heavily pregnant. Yeah. So um, I'm uh, just... Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> Struggling days, yeah, to sit coming. up, as you can see, and I'm sitting on a thousand cushions, which um, isn't isn't unpleasant actually. It isn't unpleasant. No, once you get the the balanced, it's great. Might you just topple to the side at any moment? <laughs> I've always had a thing about you know printers and the P. Mm. So so it sort of makes so you I, feel. More... I feel comfortable. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am incredibly uh, honoured to have you on the show. Oh, bless you! I'm honoured to be here. How exciting! It's a it's a. I mean, I think we are. We're pushing forward, although, as I think we said before the show, this may make us obsolete if we actually crack this. Yeah, I am worried. <laughs> if you do this, people, it hasn't, it hasn't yeah. gone well so far. So. But do you think it'll be like improv? So, like, improv robots will start and it'll take audiences like 10 years to get what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, they must have made it, they must have programmed it themselves. I don't believe they're making it up. And then the humans will be like, oh, you can come see us. We're, we're definitely genuine compared to those improv robots. So we, we're creating an improv class system, yeah. which we're at the top of. Yeah, we're the top of, although the robots will eventually take over. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's going to end in a war. It will end and in a war. And we will definitely not win the war, we the improv won't. robots. Unless it's an improv war, I guess. Hopefully they'll take to heart the fact that you can't, you know, that you have to make your partner look good. In a <laughs> no, war, you have to make your opposition look good. They'll malfunction and they'll be like, we're the best improvisers. We are going to march towards our own destruction now but gleefully 
gleefully and it will take we know how long it takes for an improv community to set up mm. being London improvisers it's taken a while it it's going to take those improv robots time like it's going to sure. take them ages before they've got a school together or a th- they're, they're going <laughs> to when are they going to get a theatre Chris we haven't even got a theatre yeah no it's going to take, like, take them ages but what happens if they have machine like efficiency oh shit yeah I know then they're definitely not improvisers <laughs> Everyone knows who you are. But oh, every, everyone, everyone, all the people. But they don't. I regularly have people say, I don't know who you are. Really? Yeah. I sp- you know, pharmacists, dry cleaners. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Well, would you, would you mind introducing yourself? Um, I am Cariad Lloyd. <laughs> Hello. Cariad is Welsh, mm-hmm. but sweetheart. Everyone always... I think when I say my name for the first five minutes, people aren't listening. because they're thinking, Cariad, where's that from? And then some people just ask, but other people you can see, they're just glazing. So like, is it Irish? So I'm just getting that out there. I thought you were going to do your whole introduction in the third person, like it was an <laughs> author's biography. Cariad is an Cariad improviser. Is, um, no, definitely not. It's Welsh. Or oh, it means like beloved. Anyway, now you know that, you can relax. I am relaxed. I spend my whole time whole life explaining that name um so yeah i'm an improviser and actor and comedian and writer um and i've been improvising for 10 years and i have uh yeah i remember oh, i should talk about improv. i remember ostentatious improvised jane austen novel and i also improvised with paul foxcroft in a show called carrie and paul which is a tupov show and i also guest with the comedy store players and i've guested with lots of other people as well um yeah. And Glenda J is oh, becoming God. a thing. The Glenda J Collective. Sorry, that's new. So that's me, an all-woman supergroup. That's me, Josie Lawrence, Pippa Evans and Ruth Bratt from Showstopper. Um, yeah, so I'm in Glenda, the Glenda J's, as we are known, which that's very new. Yeah. And that's made, unfortunately, that's whenever we can get the four of us in a room, which isn't as much as we'd like, but it is a lot of fun when we do do that. Um, but mainly I do Ostentatious and Karen and Paul and Comedy Store at the moment. When they need me, uh, yeah, and that's is that all my improv at the moment. That's my main shows. I feel like you're probably qualified to program this robot. Probably overqualified. Oh, that's very kind of you. I don't have any technical knowledge. Sure. Well, I've done. I've done that. I built the okay. robot. Okay, great. So, and I do know how to put in like a Nintendo cartridge. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I thought that. I mean, and I guess you, you blow people, on it when it goes wrong. That's right. Yeah. yeah you have to take it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. If you want to watch, play Donkey Kong or whatever. Yeah. Paul has a great story about Donkey Kong. Of course Paul has a great story about <laughs> Donkey does. Kong. You know, Paul Voxcroft, that makes sense. That um, it wasn't meant to be called Donkey Kong. If you think about it, there's no donkey in it. No. It was the wrong word. It was so the Japanese got the wrong word for monkey. Right. It should have been so, called Monkey Kong. Yeah, it's supposed to be like King Kong, Monkey Kong. There's like a, because it's about a giant monkey that yeah. throws bananas and they called it Donkey Kong because they got the wrong translation and then it just stuck. And it wasn't until he said that to me, I was like, Oh yeah, there's no donkeys. Like I genuinely had never really put that. I'm together. having that yeah. little reaction right yeah. now because it suddenly you go, oh that, oh yeah. Why is it called donkey? <laughs> anyway, that's a mistranslation. Mistranslation. Poor Fox <sighs> story. Well, um, let me reveal. Yes. The uh, I've set up this small curtain. I guess it's let, a curtain. Yeah, sure. Let me pull it aside and pull show, it aside. show you the robot. <gasps> pretty it's wonderful, pretty professor. I always ask this, what what do you like most about the robot? I like (laughs) his soft hands. Really? (laughs) Yeah, they're nice. That's new. Mm, They've got like velvet pads on them. Yeah. That's nice. Because then when you hold his hand, you feel safe. That's right, because you don't want to reach out and grasp cold, unfeeling steel. No, because that would make you feel like 
this guy hasn't got my back. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> when it does, I've got your back. It's yeah, it yeah. Otherwise, you'd get a real metal pat on your back, yeah, wouldn't yeah. you? Um, in ostentatious, we realize, we we try and shake it up occasionally, and we always do got your back before a show, and then we were like. You know, often with got your back, it becomes a thing you just say, you're not really connecting. So we started saying, got your back, but also watch out. <laughs> just to kind of like... Keep people on their toes. Yeah, but also to take the idea of not just improvising and like, oh, everything's wonderful to be like, hey, I'm going to keep you on your toes. I'm going to push you. I'm going to inspire you. But it became, but watch out. And we didn't tell, who didn't we tell? Like we didn't tell Joe we'd changed it because <laughs> he wasn't there. So then the next show we just were like, yeah, but watch out. <laughs> he was like, why? Why is everyone threatening me? Yeah, I decided like to change it up occasionally. The best one I've ever heard is go out there, get into trouble and fall in love. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice one. I think anything you say before a show is you, it, the thing is what, which I do agree some people hate, I know some people hate got your back and think it's really wanky or pointless. It's, it's just to listen to what you're saying. Because I do notice we, we do this with ostentatious, like we'll do the same warm up game. We'll say the same thing and you can see everyone's, no one is paying any attention because they're like, yeah, yeah, got your back. Yeah, we just did wobble. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay. So every now and again, you have to go, hang on guys, do we need to it seems to be Shake working this up. for you guys though. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't well, I think what to works, your detriment. What works is that we don't settle. Sure. So we don't go, we know what we're doing. Every six months or so we're like, what do we need to change? What have we got lazier? It's always something different. There's always like one little bit you're like, oh, we got really lazy with locations or we got really bad with space, you know. So that's the key. The people who rest on their laurels are the people, it's, it's your life's work. This is yeah. not something we're going to ever get brilliant like totally brilliant there's always going to be something new i agree (laughs) i definitely agree i think you have to you have to keep working you have to keep doing workshops you have to keep reading books like it doesn't it should never stop and i always said 10 years ago i said because i met improvisers 10 years ago who were like oh yeah i mean i know what i'm doing i thought if i ever think i know what i'm doing i'm gonna stop Mm. if i ever think that i've got this you should never think that you should always think I still think I could get better at it. There's still something I could change or what did I do in that? It doesn't mean beat yourself up, but yeah, I don't like the idea of going, yeah, this is easy. I, I actually use you as an example in my classes. I say if Carrie Lloyd <laughs> is still paying her money, putting her hard-earned cash down and going to a workshop, then you, my friend, are still going to go to workshops. That's very sweet. I have said that to people. Well, I both um, myself and Pippa... I, I find Pippa very inspirational because she goes to workshops and we, we both sort of keep each other informed about stuff. And, you know, I think, what, why wouldn't we? Like, just because we, you know, are in shows that are, inverted comment, you know, successful, it doesn't mean that you don't have things you can't learn. And especially when teachers come over from, you know, not necessarily because I hate the whole, oh, they're American, mm. they have something to say. Like, that is a bit in London of like... Or anything in America. We get a little starry eyes. We get very, oh my God, honestly, we're like, what did the big boy say? Um, but I think some people come over and they have really interesting takes on things. So I think, and especially the things I like about when the Americans come in is the American women, because their scene is obviously slightly more developed than ours. So they have women in higher positions than we do. So I find that really, like when, I mean, our goddesses, Susan Messing and Rachel Mason. I just made those are right. Oh my god, I just doubted my own name. Susan Messing and Rachel May, because they've been doing it twenty years or thirty years. And there aren't a lot of people here, women here, who've been doing it. I'm mean, Josie obviously have. Mm. 
But um, so I find that very exciting when someone comes over. You can go, oh my God, okay, I can ask them stuff. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, they they have that perspective. Yeah, which, you know, then younger improvisers ask me stuff, which I I love helping people. I love giving advice. But there's often times when I want to ask someone. I'm like, who can I ask? And so when... Rachel and Susan were here and Patty Styles is another amazing one who you can just be like oh hey this happened in a group rehearsal and they're like oh yeah that happens <laughs> like yeah. sure been there and you're like oh great thank you like having someone to look up to I think is really important yeah massively mm. um there's that thing about being the second worst improviser in a uh, that's the best place to be in a class oh yeah because you can you know you can see that one person that you're (laughs) you're doing better at but then there's all these people to learn from right yeah that's oh yeah i have heard that but i've forgotten it yeah you do you do want you do it's nice to have somebody that you think um okay i mean i got that exercise (laughs) yeah or like if somebody just sometimes people just don't get exercises do they or they just don't understand you think well at least i understand what's I understand the point of like B A B B C or whatever. Like I've got that, even yeah. if I don't, even if I'm not the best in the class <laughs> right now. Okay, well, talking about advice, yes, we are now going to program Great. five rules okay. into the robot, who is nameless and genderless mm. at this point. Great, um, just so that you know, <laughs> all improvisers should be. <laughs> then they can play more characters, right, guys? Absolutely. I'm joking. Um, I should say, caveat it with, you asked me to think of five rules mm-hmm. and my instant thought was, oh, any rule for improv is difficult. Yeah, so I'm these, getting that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have five guidelines. Lovely. So I guess they're not like hardcore. They're like, um, they're not Donkey Kong. They're like the add-on to Donkey Kong. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, they will be for the robot, unfortunately, yeah. okay. all that it knows. okay. But for, for the human listeners, yes. please take these as guidelines rather than out-and-out rules. Because there's always an exception. Yes. There's always an exception to the rule. And some rules are great for when you're starting out and not great yes. for when you're... Uh, and my rules, I realised, are more aimed at people who are not new. Because I think that's obviously what I am at. <laughs> so uh, these are not necessarily great brand new rules, but they're more rules of like, if you've been doing it a while, this is something to remember. Yeah, you can come back and listen to this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah and be yeah. like, "Oh, that's what she means." Yeah, yeah, yeah come back. It's, it's got double meaning. <laughs> it's going to be a classic. <laughs> uh, so let me turn the robot over. Great. These are the five slots in Great. its back. Here are your stack of five cartridges. Um, people wonder how we program into the cartridge. Yeah. You just speak into the cartridge, and it works. Why did that never work for Donkey Kong? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just well maybe that's what the blowing was the speaking yeah that was sort of putting yourself yeah. into the cartridge <laughs> in some way your soul into tetris your anima okay so I've got, i'm picking up a cartridge yeah, yeah. classic gray i love that you've kept yeah. the aesthetic I, I like aesthetic i like the kind of early 90s aesthetic yeah it's nice rule number one find the joy that's the best. Thanks. <laughs> so do you want me to explain? Yes, please. Love. So this was me thinking, again, and this is for, if you've been doing improv a while, having done improv, obviously not as long as many people, but it's quite long in the London scene. Um, I see some improvisers who have lost the joy, but they keep doing it. And they're, they're good improvisers. Like they're not bad improvisers. They can keep a scene going. They can play a character. They can, uh, you know, they, they do their space work. Who all you can tick and you can watch them in the show and something in their eyes is sad. <laughs> it's sad. And I think why they've lost the joy of beginners. 
And what I love about teaching beginners is, you know, they get everything wrong and they're doing it and, you know, all the rules are out the window, but the, their faces are alive and lit up and absolutely they can't believe they're making stuff up and that people are joining in. And I think we forget, the more advanced you get, you forget that when you first did this, it blew your mind. Mm-hmm. The first time someone walked into a scene with you and, and yes, ended you, you were like, I've come home. <laughs> like, this is it. That's how I felt. And so I think it's really, um, and I use an example here, Andrew Hunter-Murray from Ostentatious. Mm-hmm. He always finds the joy. Like that's one of the best things about playing with Andy <laughs> to the point that he often is laughing on stage. You know, if you're doing a show regularly and you're working with the same people regularly, it's very easy to get um, blind to what's happening or worry about ticket sales or costume or what we're we doing and did anyone do the Twitter and all, you know, all this admin stuff. And Andy will always come on stage and if you do something, he del- he's delighted at what you're doing. And it is the nicest feeling because it reminds me of like, oh yeah, I just made a joke out of nothing or I made a scene out of nothing and Andy thinks that's wonderful. <laughs> it's like playing with a puppy. Sure. And I think it's really important to like, just if you're in, you know, you're in that scene, search for it sometimes because we, we all improvise, we're tired or the audience don't like it or... It's been a long, you know, all of these things. And to remember as an improviser, it's your job to find the joy. What is joyful about this scene? And that doesn't necessarily mean like everything has to be super positive and it's the best day in the world. This is the best shop I've ever been to, which, you know, we see those scenes a lot. But just to look at your fellow improviser and be like, wow, what they just did was, that was brilliant. What what inspired you? What made you happy about it? I think I'm lucky in that I haven't lost. <laughs> I don't think you have. That <laughs> first, like, we get to do this? Yeah. We get to do this. You remind me of Andy on stage. You have that <laughs> same puppy, like, oh my God, God. And it's contagious. The audience are like, okay, sure, this is exciting. This guy's so excited about it. Yeah, and if he's excited <clears throat> about yeah. it, then maybe we should be. Yeah. There's something about uh, someone's, I can't, I wish I could credit this, but it's um, actor as reactor. Yes, uh, that, yeah. That you, you, you're the cue for the audience to sort of... You know, they they go well. If this person is uh, thinks that's brilliant, then it probably was. Yeah, and I think you know it's that great thing about teams and teams in improv. Like everybody brings something different, and you don't have to be the person who is the most joyful. Like you and Andy have a natural ebulence. That's the right word. Lovely word. Thank you. I doubted it. Um, and I I sometimes have that. And mine is much more cheeky and playful. So I think it's about acknowledging, okay, where is my where's my play? Where is it? And am I this sounds awful, but like am I nurturing it? Am I coming into scenes with that in mind? Or am I coming into scenes going, Oh, you're gonna do that move again, are you? Great, fuck's sake. Okay, well, here we go. Or they're not laughing, I'm you know, that you know. I think which is really easy once you've been doing it a long time I think past like seven years I see it in people like they just start getting like yeah I'm doing a show and they get entitled a little yes, bit as well yes they do <laughs> I, I, well I say they I, I do this as well even me I haven't been doing it that long but like you know there are generations now that are coming on after me now yeah and I'm you know I'm like you're starting a night and you've only <laughs> been doing it a year and a half you're allowed to do that me and Paul still do that <laughs> we're often like who's doing what? why are they but when we first started, um, Paul and I started the Institute. Which, oh I, which I went to once, by Did the way, you? just randomly. Yeah. Oh, bless you. I remember it so well. <laughs> we used to, the, the thing that we often quote is Paul backstage 
on a microphone going, there's six of us and five of you. Let's do this. <laughs> there was often no one in the audience at all, but we had a really nice time. Um, and when we first started, we didn't know what we were doing. At this point, we'd had, we didn't have lessons because there wasn't a formal school, mm-hmm. just in case people who did have lessons understand. I mean, I didn't go to those classes. I didn't really know about them. And so we would just figure it out as we went. And um, I remember there being, the community was much smaller than, I remember some people being like, oh, well, who, you know, who are you? Me being like, we're just people who want to join in. Why Why doesn't people want to? So I try and remember that now when I'm mm. looking at someone younger and thinking, oh, they don't know what they're doing and why have they done that? I think that was me and Paul. Denny. I always say it to him, we didn't have a bloody clue what we were doing at all, at all. And that is, we learned live on stage, mm-hmm. which, you know, is... I mean, it's the best in the end, isn't it? (laughs) Well, it's tough. It's a tough way to do it. And also audiences then were much smaller. So I always say to people, go and do lessons now, because I wish I wish I had had that. It would have been easier. You're much safer learning in front of, you know, 12 other students than you are. That kind of want you to succeed. Yeah. And like you can really fail, whereas we were failing hugely, but only in front of five paying audience members. So it wasn't quite the crash and burn that I see some people trying to do now. And I think, oh, if you just took the time to have some lessons, this would this would clear up. <laughs> this would just move on very quickly. Vault number two. I'm just blowing into my cartridge. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. No one else has done that. Oh, people are useless, Chris. Yeah, well, people aren't Nintendo players, obviously, <laughs> like you are. Well, what did I have? Commodore 64, don't get me started. Whoa. I'm always talking about the Commodore 64 monologues. It comes up all the time. Um... So rule number, guideline number two is remember yes and. Again, I watch a a lot of improv and I see, again, that attitude coming in of, I have an idea, I know what I'm doing. I'm an improviser, I know what I'm doing. And I think, again, people forget to yes and. And it's the most, if you watch beginners, you know, yes, they muck up a lot of stuff, but they often really simply yes and. Because they've like... They're, they're, they're clinging to yes and like a limpet, right? Yeah, it's all they've got. And I think we get to this habit of like, I don't know, maybe it's like driving. Like when, you know, like, oh, I know, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to think about like using the clutch. Reverses into a lorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I only just passed my test this year. That's so why I'm excited I can use driving metaphors. <laughs> I get really like, I can now say that. And I see um, people not yes anding. So you can watch a very good show, which there's a story and they got by and there's something missing you know and what it is is the ideas didn't work together somebody mm. drove an idea and five people went oh okay well, we'll just do what they say and i mean obviously i'm talking ostentatious is m- m- my most experience of working in in long form and i think we forget to just yes and so people get so involved in being funny or a character they want to play or the audience they're trying to entertain and they forget that basic thing of just yes and and often you know, you see players making mistakes or panicking. I think, why didn't you just literally yes and the last thing? Start the sentence with yes and. It doesn't matter how many years you've been doing this. If you just do that, you're going to have a better scene. And, it, it, you know, as we all know, it instantly makes you work with the other person. And we did a rehearsal the other day in Ostentatious where we went back old school. We just literally did yes and scenes. We started every sentence with yes and. And the scenes were incredible. Like, I couldn't believe I was like, I can't... You know, you, we forget. We forget what those two words do. That you can watch two people improvising and if they just... Li- 
it's not one idea. They find their way together. They, you, you, we watch them both have that light in their eyes because they're like, oh my God, we just, we just discovered we're fishermen. We just discovered we've lost the estate. Like it was so beautiful to watch. And I thought, oh God, just to remind yourself sometimes that you don't need to be clever or have your great genre idea or the, you know, there is a lot of things at the moment of the improv of like the gimmicks of improv, which I, I have no problem with, but I think the purity of it must still stand it, just to so if you can bring your joy into a scene that's good but also the technical ability yeah sure just, yes and guys we and, all we all are taught it and everybody doesn't do it after about five years and and it's both people's ideas when you yes and yeah it's not, yeah it's not one you can't push your own idea with a yes mm. and agenda because you have to build it on the other person's idea it instantly drops your ego mm. which i think if you've been doing it a while like you said you get this oh i know what i'm doing i'm I can handle this. I when I was doing the workshop with our leader, our great leader Rachel Mason, she so good, so so good. If you can ever work with that woman, um, she was pairing. We I don't know if you're in this class. She paired different people together to kind of point out different things, and she paired me. I was one of the most experienced in the class. She paired me with the least experienced. You were the most experienced. <laughs> in the class. Well, there was someone I think he'd done like six months or something. Bless him. <laughs> He was good, you know, but obviously there was things that he was struggling to get his head around. And we did a scene together and um, he said something. I think we're doing a film noir scene and he just made this joke and I instantly jumped on it and made a joke about what she was doing. And Rachel just shouted from the class to class, yes, and. And I thought, oh my God, I am so busy improvising and showing my improviser look how I'm making things up I've done this I've done this I've invented a character a scene I just forgot to yes and him and the moment I yes anded his idea he was in the scene and I thought oh god I can't believe I forgot to do like you get carried away with the fun and you know the the mechanics sometimes of improv you forget that you there is one thing you need to do which is yes and no, no wonder so many improvisers tattoo yes and on themselves. Yeah, yeah. I know I have considered it, but I just, I, I think, know I'd regret it. I think all of us have considered it <laughs> at some point. I have considered it. And then I think, oh, I'd be so annoyed. I'd just, whatever font I did, I'd hate it in two weeks. And yeah. I'd be like, oh God. And I think you, I'm with you. Yeah. And you always have to explain it, wouldn't you? It's bad enough explaining yes and anyway to people <laughs> who, like, thank God, doing a podcast where you don't have to be like, Oh, it's this thing that me like it's so nice. So yeah, it's just remembering that. Remembering yes and Rule number three. Always be making choices. Ooh, is and is it definitely with the IN apostrophe? Like rather than yes. making rather than making Yeah, I think so. Oh, Always good. be like making choices. Yeah, that's sort of cockney kind of <laughs> bit cheeky. Bit cheeky. Well, that's what I do. That's my that stock in trade. Yeah. Always be making choices. Great. Um, so what do I mean by this? I watch again, too much improv, where um not enough improv, where people just don't do stuff. Like right. that's what I cannot bear. It's like just do something even if your something is bad like even if i've watched improv and i thought whoa that was a weird move just do i can't bear it when people do nothing like I, just make a decision about how you feel about something the environment the person choose an emotion just make a choice what i can't bear is you know the two people standing there talking heads both arms by their sides and they and that kind of verbal dexterity. Yeah, trying to outwitty each other. Outwitty each other. And then lately I've seen a fashion for not even outwitting, like just standing there 
sort of shooting the breeze about an idea, which I think is, um, I won't name names. There's a like sort of style of US improv that I've, when I went to America, I saw them do it, which they, they did very well. But I feel like they're so drilled that they can kind of shoot the breeze, but then they'll get into a scene. Sure. And I feel like I've seen in London, like people just standing, just chatting. And I'm like, what am I, it's not a podcast. Like do just like just always be making choices. Like yeah. I don't mind, I don't mind what the choice is because if you're working with good enough people, the one choice you make is going to yes and, and then, and then and you're this, off. Yeah. And we have this, we talk about it's not an ostentatious because, um, Obviously, you know, it's a very verbal format and it's very um, verbose. So it's very easy for two characters to do nothing. Oh, my dear Jane, I see the weather. Of course, Cecily. And I cannot tell you more. And we can just, we can kind of, we call it like, we can just Austin for 10 minutes and nothing happens. Sure. And it's easy to to in, to slip into that and realise that you're just not doing anything. Remember you're doing a show. <laughs> like People want, what does um, Patty Styles always say? <clears throat> Patty always says, uh, no one pays to see you in neutral. Right. Which I love. Such a good reminder of like, if, if you're not, if, you know, if you're on stage and you're thinking, okay, no one in this world knows how I feel. I don't know how I feel. I don't really know what the room is. I don't really know. I, then what are you doing? <laughs> like You're in neutral. What's happening? Nothing just... Yeah, as you can see, it does my head in when... I'd rather they made wrong choices. Because wrong choices are great. You know, huge, bold wrong choices can be picked up by everybody. And everyone loves stuff like that. Because you're yeah. like, you said, what? <laughs> great, now the whole show can become about that. Like, that's... You know, we've had whole entire hour shows because somebody made an incredible mistake at the beginning. It's delightful. I love stuff like that. Just make a choice. So no shows come out of someone not making choices yeah i think it's easy to not make a choice so it's easy to improvise without really doing anything and sometimes people don't notice they're doing it they're like but i i did a scene and i said stuff and i made a joke and the audience laughed and you're like yes but nothing happened like nothing of any consequence happened to your character i don't care i can't remember what you said like i just want i just want something you sometimes need those scenes i'm not saying never sometimes you need two people shooting the breeze sure but the rest of the show better be full of choices if you're gonna stand there and shoot the breeze they better be making some big bold stuff in the other bit i feel like this one is one you're especially passionate about <laughs> i'm reading sort of body language yeah i'm getting better it's lots of hand gestures yeah no i i understand completely um i think it is very fashionable it's mm, just a it fashionable, is fashionable form yes it is you're right um didn't but, used to be so fashionable no I feel like it's definitely come into its own lately. These things come in waves. Yeah, they come in waves, don't yeah. they? Yeah. But I, I agree that a show full of incidents, uh, it gives so much more to to the people you're playing with. Mm. It gives you more memorable moments. And it's also more dangerous. Yeah, and, and yeah. And therefore much more compelling and watchable. I That's the thing. I love improv because I like the tightrope. I like not knowing what's going to happen. I don't want to do safe improv. It's just why... You know, I said with ostentatious that before we talked about our rules, we're always, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And I think, why are you doing it if you're not going to do something that makes the other person go, whoa? I, I mean, that's my favourite thing, to be honest. I mean, again, everyone's different. But for me, if someone on stage says something that makes me go, I did not know you were going to say that. I do not know how I feel about that. Like, that's what I love working with Paul Foxcroft. <laughs> you were going there. He will say stuff and I'm like, are you? Or like what and 
because we're so used to improvising, yeah, I've got an answer for everything. Whatever you do, I'll be fine. Mm. But so someone's making, and it doesn't mean crazy choices at all, just choices. So just, he still surprises you? Oh my God, yes. That's Absolutely. amazing. We have, a, we have a beautiful relationship that occasionally... He, so 50% of the time he doesn't surprise me he does exactly what I want him to do which is the Lovely. you know the absolute yeah. joy when you're like oh I really hope he comes back as the doctor oh he did he came back as the doctor <clears throat> and the other 50% of the time I'm going you what, what what do I do with that and I have to think on my feet and I have to improvise sure <laughs> you can feel that muscle suddenly going oh I haven't really been challenged like this for a while so if you pick the right partner you're never going to be able to be in neutral yeah I think so yeah you know you have to find people that you know work right for you not everyone works for it. it's like relationships it is a little and Paul is definitely my my improv boyfriend <laughs> and it we're on stage it just works. It just absolutely works. Because I'm, yeah, sometimes he does things that I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Other times I think, you're really challenging me here. Sure. <laughs> and, and that's good. And yeah, from an audience perspective, I think Paul and Carrad is, you know, it, you're my favourite oh, thing you. in the UK. Oh. E- easily. Bless uh, you, Chris. And for just those reasons, though, it's sort of like, what's going to happen? I think if you like improv, like if you're an improv, we're quite a good show for that because we do try and push it all mm. the time it often if you haven't seen any improv it's probably quite baffling but improvisers kind of go we don't know what's gonna happen which is quite i like that's what i like mm. i'm on the side of the stage and i think i have no idea what he's gonna do like <laughs> what the hell is he doing now and i love that or you know when he makes he'll say something that makes me laugh because i'm just like i had no i had no idea that's what you were gonna say or do one time i started a show that's <laughs> what i did to him um as a jar of honey mustard and I was a, this is one of our favourite shows. I was a jar of honey mustard in his fridge talking to him. And I saw his face be like, are you going to be a jar of honey mustard? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a jar of honey mustard. And the whole way through, I was this jar of honey mustard that this guy spoke to and it turned out his girlfriend was leaving him. And, you know, for because he was a recluse and he was obviously deeply depressed, but he talked to the jar of honey mustard. And then she was like, you need to throw this mustard away. And he threw it away. And it was so, so sad. I think in the end he got it back. I think we couldn't bear it. But yeah, you know, I like doing I like doing that to other people and I like it when other people do it to me. That's a perfect encapsulation. If you can make an audience care about a jar of honey mustard, <sighs> then you're, you're doing okay, aren't you? So. You're doing improv. Rule number four. How can I help? Ooh. How can I help? This is a good one to install into a robot. <laughs> yes. So I thought that. I thought, because I was trying to be positive and also constructive. <laughs> so occasionally I get angry, but occasionally they're helpful. I always think, how can I help? What does the scene need? What does the show need? What does that person need? I think it's just a really simple way to get out of your own head. Stop worrying about the audience you know, or whether they're, you know, like kind of like, oh, they're not finding it funny rather than like, oh, we're upsetting them, which is a valid, <laughs> sure. you, you need to be aware of that one. And I always try and think, especially with Ostentatious, how can I help? What does it need? Nothing annoys me more than watching one sad scene and then another sad scene of, or two people come on, they do a scene about it, then another two people come. And I think, what, why, how can you help the show? The show needed something different. The audience needed something different. Your group needed something different. So always trying to think, 
how can I help? What's the best thing I can do right now? Rather than I, it's, I guess it's trying to trick your brain in rather than I want to do the scene or I want to scene with Chris because he said that funny thing and oh, I've got a good idea for a joke or there's a, you know, a funny game we could bring back. And it's like, no, 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 no. How can I help this story, this show, this scene? And it, you get different choices if you think that way. Someone said to me, uh, the scenes that you want to go in oh, yeah. don't need don't, you. Don't need you. <laughs> the scenes that you are backing away from, you need, need you. to point your feet towards yeah. that and get in there and help. I have, a, I have a, when I teach, I must say, listen to your feet. Because if your feet are going in, probably hold back. And if, you're, if you can feel yourself, if you're backing against the wall or your feet are shuffling backwards, that is when you start yeah. walking. And I have entered scenes entirely by my feet with the rest of my body going, I don't want to be here. It's like literally dragging oh you into God, the scene. Oh my God, my feet have walked me into so much shit. I've been like, <laughs> I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. But if if I can feel my body going, oh, this is awful, I don't want to, I don't want to be in it, then my feet go in. That's the, listen to your feet. Your feet will give you the answer. You know, because uh, um, the feet are trying to protect you. <laughs> They're like, this is bad, don't go in. And, and that is very selfless what you're saying, but people want to play with you when you you get sort of a reputation of being someone who will go in and be helpful. Yeah, right? definitely. It makes you, yeah, it's the nicest thing in the world because we've all had scenes that have been awful. And if the cavalry comes... So many. You, <laughs> but if you see that cavalry, you love them. Paul's very good at that as well. Like he comes in and... About the time you think, oh, thank God, thank God you came in. Like, Joe also, Joseph Morpurgo, is very good at, he. what he's very good at, he comes in and he has a, he'll save it. <laughs> like, he's sure. got a really clear idea and you're like, wow, I mean, when did you think of that? Because that solves everything that we're talking about. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank goodness. It's not just he appeared, he had an answer. I often appear, I don't always have an answer, mm. but I will appear and at least get you out of, what's happening you'll be there it's i'll be there throw yourself on the grenade first yeah. and then if you can dismantle the grenade yeah. that's brilliant but i often can't or it will take me it will take me a minute to be like oh now i'm in the scene i've been here a minute okay guys i figured out what about this whereas joe can often come in with here is the thing you're all looking for and you go oh <laughs> thank you um so i think especially obviously i do a lot of long form narrative um ostentatious is an hour sort of linear narrative which is much more popular in, in england i'd say mm-hmm. than america um and trying to think how can i help the show like what does the show need that's one of my fate i just think it's so important because so many times you see offers come in and you think didn't need that it didn't need that you know what is it does it and sometimes it might be you that's the other thing the awful realization you think what does it need oh my god it it needs me mm. i i need to come in and solve everything because I'm the protagonist of this story and I haven't done that yet so that's a horrible feeling when you're like oh bugger (laughs) it needed me because often I think or often you'll be like ah it doesn't need me it needs that person and they're over there and they don't know it needs them they're in their head or you know they're they're worrying about their own plot but you think ah I know what it needs it needs you to come in and have one scene with that man to tell him you love him that's what we need and then we're home straight so sometimes you have to kind of which I know isn't always popular but I kind of do act to manage slightly like oh you're here and you're here oh I have to leave <laughs> it does yeah if you can step back a little bit and that takes time that's taken me years to be able to be in a show and pause while the show is going on look and how I imagine it is I pause it I look above the whole space and I look at the story as a line and I go, okay, we're here, here, here. Oh, we need to get there. Uh, 
right, okay, and then I can come back in. But that is that is something that I can't always do and it has taken me years to be able to then not miss what's happening. Yeah, I, that um, Jason Schott says that when you start an improv, it's like looking at the show uh, as, a, as a train going past your oh, face yeah. and your nose is right up against the train. Mm. And as you get better and more experienced, you're able to take a step back and a step back yeah. until you can see that train crawling across the horizon in a linear manner rather than just... F- you know, right up against yeah. your face with all the sounds and the noise and the exhilaration of that, just being able to take that step back. That's a very nice metaphor. I do see it like not <laughs> like an old-fashioned 1940s film map. Amazing. You know, like when the trains are going across, like that's how I'm above it. I have to look up at, on top. I can't see it in the horizon because that to me is, oh, where's it going? But if I go above and I'm like, okay, we came from Milwaukee yeah. and we're going over here. Okay, then we definitely need someone to have done that and they haven't done it yet. Okay, great. Rule number five. As in improv, as in life. Ooh. Oh, it's my guru speak. Whatever problems you have, not problems, whatever personality traits, flaws, bonuses you have in life are heightened in improv. Mm-hmm. And if you talk too much in real life, Carrie Adlery talks too much in real life. I'm a talker, I'm very verbal. I find out what I'm thinking by being verbal. I talk too much in scenes. And I have, having taught for, you know, many years, if you don't listen in real life, you will struggle to listen on stage. And I think it's just, what I mean by that is to be, (laughs) I'm a bit of a hippie, Um, you know, I uh, (laughs) come from the world of sort of self-help books and courses and holistic. I was brought up in a very strange family. Um, And I think it's really useful with improv to kind of be honest with yourself. That's why I think it's an incredible medium because it really highlights what you do as a person and how you communicate with Mm. people. So I think if 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 you're ever struggling or you're having a bit where you're like, oh, I'm not enjoying it or it's not flowing the way it used to flow, what's happening in your life right now is happening on stage. So, you know, if you have a show, I had a show with Paul the other day and I actually said out loud, I just don't think you're hearing me as a character. And as I said it, I was like, oh, that's Carrie talking to Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then after that show, we met and I said, oh, hey, you know, did you hear that line? He was like, yeah. I was like, sorry. But obviously I feel like we're not communicating very well. Let's talk about that. So I think what I mean by as an improv has in life as I've said for years is be honest about the things that you struggle with in real life because they will be the same problems in improv and if you can fix them in improv or be aware of them in improv they will get better in real life oh this is like improv as improv as therapy slightly yeah, yeah which oh, well, I absolutely agree with that it's yeah, for me and, too yeah I mean don't bring your problems on a stage but if if you can be self-aware that's what I mean by it to sign and go okay what I'm what we all know what pisses off other players about our playing and we don't like to admit it but we know yeah you know when you're doing something that makes your friends go really you're doing that again are you and with me like I come on quite a lot and I talk too much um and that's off you know I am controlling in real life and I find it difficult not to talk too much in real life so I could talk less I can come in less and so when you're at the side and again it sort of links into how can I help if you're at the side and there's something you think oh should I do that go 
is that just what you normally do? <laughs> like, is that really what is needed? And I find that very helpful to go, oh, yeah, that's that's not helping. That's default. Again, I'm, I've gone into, oh, that's what I do. I'm an improviser. I know what I'm doing. I'll just do that. That always works. If ever I think that, I think, oh, I'm in trouble. If I'm like, oh, I'll just do that. Oh, that works. It's like, no, no, no. Go in. Yes, and find the joy. Find that purity again. But it, it's, it's difficult. And I'm not saying it's... <laughs> It's not a registered therapy. (laughs) Sure, no, no. I don't want to make anybody upset. But yeah, I think just be aware of, self-aware of what do you do in real life and what are the problems with your communication in real life? Because if you can work on them, and work on them in either sphere, work on them, work on them in improv and work on them in life and they will start to affect each other. Mm. Just be aware of what's pissing people off if you can. It doesn't mean they're right, but if if a problem keeps smacking you in the face... Perhaps yeah, they are do right. something about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see it a lot with students, in, in, you know, when, when I'm teaching. And if there's someone who, you, you know, sometimes you get students who will not take a note. Sure. We've been there. They just, they'll argue back every time. And in scenes, they argue back every time. They find it difficult to take, to be affected by things. They never lose is something I yeah, see a lot. Yeah, they, they never would. lose. And that is, again, it's like they've put up a wall and they're afraid to be vulnerable. So you can see, like, in class, they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to be vulnerable in front of their peers, so they don't want to be vulnerable on stage. So if someone like that, I think, oh, if I can get you to be vulnerable on the stage, in a safe environment, in a scene where you were vulnerable and it was okay, perhaps when we come to notes, you'll feel like, hell, oh, it's okay to be vulnerable. I mean, it doesn't always work, but you're trying to get people to just be aware of, like, okay, what what blocks am I doing to making myself a good improviser? Yeah. Because everyone can do it. We know that. Everyone, you know everyone has the ability to improvise it's just like we all put up these huge blocks in ourselves and it's us that's doing it it's totally you that's doing it so trying i think no one knows how to fix your problems better than you you I, the other thing i see is people who go to every single workshop in the world and they'll do every class and you they ha- they're not changing and you go okay well what what's happening <laughs> what's happening here is you're obviously you're not being affected by these things or you're not changing or why are you do so just being aware of like okay what am i doing in real life that's that's causing problems in communication how can i affect them in improv it's not a guaranteed theory no it's a really interesting one and the end result of it is that people become better players and better human beings so it's not a, it's not a bad one that's at all what i would I say hope, chris that's we just want to be better people <laughs> i think improv really does teach you because it is you know it's a conversation in front of an audience it's yeah. It's all it ever is, is just conversation. And it does, you do, it highlights very quickly problems that you have in communication. And it's so interesting, actually, just say you saying that, the fact that it does help. Like, there is a higher incident of nice, lovely people yes. in improv. Yes. Um, and to a point that when someone is a bit of a dick and improviser, I'm like, how, how, <laughs> how did that happen? I so can't never, get over it when I find it an, an, an arsehole improv. Like yeah. I just, I'm astounded. Like, I did a show the other day and I'm not going to mention any names, but everybody got my back apart from one person. <sighs> Man. I felt it. And it was just like sore thumb standing yeah, out. Yeah, I felt it. And I was like, what is that? What's going on? And I was like, oh, okay, well we have a community, like we, there's obviously a communication thing going on, but it, it, because like you said, improv is, Full of good, nice people. That's why it's so nice. It's so nice. I love the improv. I love the improv community. It's mm-hmm. having done obviously very different arrays of sketch comedy and character comedy and you know other comedy. 
improv is always the friendliest place. I'm always saying to stand-ups who are like, oh, it's so horrible. I'm like, come and do improv a bit. Everyone will just be nice to you. Like, you won't trust it for six months. Sure. you'll be like, what is wrong with everyone? But it's just, it genuinely is full of nice people. Uh, when I teach beginners, I have this whole thing at the beginning, like, you have no idea. Do you, you've hit the jackpot. I know that probably a lot of you have just like, you know, you're doing an eight-week course. You did pottery last eight weeks, yeah. and this is your improv eight weeks. But you are about to enter a community of people that is, it's going to change your life. I think I've, I scare a lot of people away. I scare the shit out of them. Because <laughs> it's like a cult. It's a fucking cult. Oh, yeah. My yeah, parents were in a cult, so I recognise. Is that true? <laughs> yes. Wow. Weird childhood. It's um, <laughs> a sort of cult, long story. Um, I recognise those cult things, but it is. We have glazed over eyes. We think everything we do is, we're like, everyone's great, everyone's brilliant. We applaud everything. My favourite thing about teaching is... Because not everybody falls in love with improv. No. Everyone benefits from it, I definitely think. But, you know, you get these students who kind of go, yeah, they had a nice time and then they're going to do other Winning things. Cycle. Yeah. My favourite thing is the ones who join the cult. So you see it in their eyes and they come up to you after about three weeks and they're like, um, I just really enjoy the classes and I just wondered, is it, I mean, like, can, I, can I see some shows? Do you have any books? And you're like, welcome, yeah, welcome. I, um, I had that, there's a really nice newish player who's not that new anymore, Lola Rose Maxwell, who I, I love. I think she's brilliant. And her brother Seamus actually as well, both brilliant new improvisers. I say new because I'm old. Um, and they both, when I was teaching them, they their eyes went mental. <laughs> they came up to me and were like, um, we really, really love this. And we just and I thought, yeah, you're you're yeah, here for life. Yeah. And you're and they're still improvising and they've formed groups and shut and I those are the people you can you like, you're gonna join. You're fully paid up And I feel like Prometheus, right? Like <laughs> I didn't create the fire. No. The fire was just over there and I just got a stick, stuck it in the <laughs> fire, and like just haphazardly gave it to someone and yeah. they're like <gasps> And then sort of look at you as if you're so. Sort of, I, I did. I I just found the fire. This guy had the fire, and I. <laughs> well, I'm, I gave glad, it to I'm you. glad, Chris, as someone who was improvising when you joined, that you now know what it feels like mm. to be like, oh, why is everyone being weird about me? Like I just told you what this is. Yeah. Because the London scene is is smaller. Then you yeah you see people being like, thank you so much. Oh my god, you and you're like yeah. I. I don't think I did. Didn't do anything, really. <laughs> you could have gone to any class, to be fair. <laughs> you would have. Yeah. It does, but it is nice when it happens, because some students hate you, so it's quite nice the ones that love you. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. God, some of them. No, most students are lovely. That completes your programming of the Yay. robot. I'm going to turn it back over. I want you to look into his eyes and name it now that you've given it its personality. I just think I have to call it Paul Foxcroft. Oh, what a lovely name. You, like Paul Foxcroft, Paul Foxcroft 2.0. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like. Paul Foxcroft 2.0. <laughs> that's a great name. Does look a bit like him too. Yeah, yeah. The velvet hands. <laughs> Creepy velvet hands. Uh, there's a giant red button mm -hmm. in the middle there. If you could just... It's just like Paul. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> He, uh, well, I, I couldn't possibly comment. I can tell you, red giant bent in his stomach. If you just press that, yeah. that will set, start the boot up. Okay, here we go. Okay, it's on. Okay. I am alive. Downloading directives. One, find the joy. Two, remember yes. And three, always be making choices. Four, ask. How can I help? Five. As in improv, as in life. I must find the joy. 
that's very violent. Oh. Ooh. Oh, Paul doesn't normally do that. He's running around. Okay, um, I feel like I need to shield you. As a, yeah. Are you okay? This I'm is... all right, I'm all right. I'm used to, I'm used to this, but Paul is normally less violent. Than He's going out the window. Oh, my God. As an improv, as in life. <laughs> I think it's just gone to help people. It's gone to help everyone. Oh. Oh, it took it very literally. I mean, that's my only robot carrier. It's finding the joy, though. Look, it's gone and bought some Ben and Jerry's. Oh, oh and it's just forcing it down people's faces. They don't even want it. I'm going to have to turn it off remotely, I think. Take my ice cream, good There we go. It looks happy. Ew, it's dead now. <laughs> oh, no. This happens every... I, this happens every week. Well, in a way, like I said... We don't want them to take over just yet. Mm. And not until we've got a theatre in London. <laughs> and I and I guess if I created the perfect improviser so near the beginning of the podcast, I'd feel like... Well, yeah, yeah you'd be annoyed. Mm. <laughs> you'd be annoyed. Well, I'm so sorry for wasting, essentially, no, your time. No, that's okay, because it looked... It, before it went, it was so happy. There was a moment, wasn't there? Was there was a moment, and, you know, to see Paul Foxcroft 2.0 <laughs> jump out window and force people to eat ice cream... Not dissimilar to the real... Sure. <laughs> he but would do that if he, he could. He does do that, although he doesn't jump out the windows. So that's why it's 2.0. <laughs> Carrie, um, if people, and I'm sure they will, would want to see more of your work and more of you on this great <laughs> internet uh, playground, um, where would they point their browsers towards? <laughs> point their cursors towards. Uh, you can go to my website, carriadloyd.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ladycarriad. I'm working on it. I need to change that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Carrie Lloyd and um, you can also see Ostentatious Impro, old school. Nice. <laughs> OstentatiousImpro.com or at Austin Impro for Twitter or you can go to at Carrie and Paul, although we're, we're pretty lazy with that Twitter account. So sure. check out, the Austin one's quite fun. We do, we didn't see. Yeah, the Austin one is very funny. Uh, from there. Uh, so that's probably all the places to find me yeah that'll do they'll be able to get well into your world i think with all yeah. those google carrier lloyd there's not many there are a few others it means beloved everyone means beloved normally everyone googles how old is carrier lloyd that's what comes off my website <laughs> but they spell carrier lloyd wrong double l o y d like the bank <laughs> constantly saying it well uh it's been an absolute pleasure it's been a total pleasure i I didn't know I would enjoy mechanics so much. And I'm sorry to briefly put uh, your life and the life of your no. humble child yes. in danger. It's but okay. it's luckily Paul Foxcroft. Uh, <laughs> he was only trying to help. He was He's, only trying to help. Which, again, like Paul, <laughs> often similar situations. Paul, what are you doing? I was just trying to help. Yeah, I know. I know. And for you guys listening in, thank you so much for spending some time with us, uh, wherever you are, probably on public transport. That's where I listen to all my podcasts. Um, thanks so much. And I hope you'll join me next week with another guest uh, for another episode of YesPod. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to YesPod. You can talk to me on Twitter at YesPod5000. Hey, why not join our listeners group at facebook.com slash group slash club. You can also email me on yesbot5000 at icloud.com. Your host was Chris Mead. Find him at Mr. Chris Mead on Twitter. The Yesbot theme was composed and engineered by Fred Deakin. 
Yesbot logo and graphics by Kind Studio. Okay, I love you. Goodbye.